everyone to the Orlando Health Wellbeing Podcast Season 2. I am your host, Kayla Watson, and we are thrilled to welcome one of our very own EAP psychotherapists, Mr. Bob Levesque. Bob, thank you so much for joining us today. It's good to be with you, Kayla, this morning. Yes. So, Bob, as you know, this podcast is all about well-being and conversations that inspire. And so I'm very much looking forward um, to the inspiration that you are going to be bringing to all of us today. Um, But before we actually jump into our topic today, I would like you to share a little bit about yourself so that um, our listeners know maybe a little bit about your background and who you are and what you do. Absolutely, Kayla. Um, I, I'm very excited to be here with you this morning. I've been thinking a lot about what we would talk about today. Um, so I, I could give you facts that I'm a licensed clinical social worker and I graduated from FSU, right? Woo, go, go, go Seminoles, <laughs> right? Good year to be a null. The ending wasn't all that great, but hey, uh, let's be positive. Um, but that I also work for Orlando Health, and I'm on a, a specialized team fully devoted to supporting healthcare workers, and we call them team members here, team members in the hard work that they do, right? I could give you those facts. But I think I want to tell you a story. Okay. Because I think stories are more interesting, but I think they're actually more powerful. Mm-hmm. So that um, our listeners can get more of a sense of who's speaking. Um, so when I was 13, I was the most awkward, the most anxious, and the most insecure guy on planet Earth at that time. Really? Okay. <laughs> at least I thought so. Um, and at that time of my life, I'd always been close to my mom. Um, I've got three older siblings. And I wasn't really emotionally close to them. They were just older siblings. And I've got a younger sibling. There's some age difference, right? And I wasn't all that emotionally close with my father. So it was my mom. And even today, I remember having conversations with my mom about, am I okay? Are things going to be okay? And... I was blessed. And I think most of us have a similar experience where one parent, a father or a mother, was loving and nurturing. Well, my mom was that for me, and she hit it out of the park. Now, what I didn't know then that I know now is that my mother was able to answer three fundamental questions that I believe we all have in any human interaction. And I'm talking about interactions that are casual, interactions that are transactional, and then interactions that have a lot of emotional attachment or depth. And I, and I believe there's three questions. And here's, uh, here, here they are. Do I matter to you? Do you see me? Do you hear me? Is it going to be okay? Right? And In those conversations with mom, she was able to give me those answers that I felt seen, I felt heard. And in a fairly large family of five. Now, what I didn't know 
at that time was that at the same time we were connecting, my mother was diagnosed with lung cancer. And she died a year later. And so when I look back on this and the, the, the preciousness of that connection and the power of that connection in my life at that time, my entire life revolves around that trauma of losing something so precious to me. It informed probably every decision in my life. And I believe that I'm in the career and the industry I am today because of my trauma, uh, but more so because I had the greatest teacher. It was my mother. And her name's Pauline, and she's here right now. And I, on some level, this is for her today. Wow, Bob, thank you so much for sharing that story with us here today. And it's amazing to not only hear you talk about the things that you loved and enjoyed through that relationship, your connection, the the lovingness and the nurturing that you experienced. And, but then it, you, you, your life took a sudden turn in that you um, experienced that unexpected trauma mm-hmm. um, through what your mom suffered from. And, you know, it's interesting to hear you then look at that as a shaping Mm-hmm. tool for who you are, who you are today, mm-hmm. what you've experienced and where your path has led you up until this day. Mm-hmm. And what I see, because I obviously did not know your mother, but I know you mm-hmm. personally. And a couple of things I mentioned or that you mentioned was nurturing and loving. Mm-hmm. And those few questions of, do I matter? Do others see me? Do they notice me? So I don't know your mother, but I know you. And I remember the very first time that you and I met. And those few things that you just mentioned came through within the first 10 seconds of me meeting you. And you saw me. You had me settle in and introduced me to others, made sure I was comfortable I remember you offered me a cup of water (laughs) just to accommodate me and and have me settle in. Mm. And all of that was evident, like I said, just within a short amount of time of meeting you. Mm. And I believe that is your mom living through you and you experiencing that in a whole new way and sharing that with others around you. Mm. So thank you again for sharing that story. And it's it's evident in who you are today, for sure. Mm. One of the things I wanted to have happen this morning was that you and I would connect. And what you just said, you reflected back me. And thank you for that. Thank you. Um, I think we're connecting. Look at this. I love it. And you know, Bob, that's, that's honestly the perfect backdrop um, for what our topic really is today. Right. Because today's episode is all about connection. And this is a word that we hear quite a bit. Mm -hmm. People talk about this often. Um, Here at Orlando Health, it's one of the four key behaviors that we even have in place for our team members. But I'm curious to hear from your perspective, when we talk about connection, what exactly does that mean? Mm-hmm. How would you 
How would you define connection? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great question. And it's um, not an easy one to answer. Um, how hot is hot? Um, define existence. Well, I, uh, because I'm a little bit of a nerd, um, I look at language. Okay. And so the word connection comes from a root, comes from a Latin word. And that Latin word means to join two separate pieces. Okay. So you've got two separate pieces and they're connected. They're joined together. Um, so that's connection, but you need usually a bonding agent. Okay. Um, piece of tape, some glue, um, a weld, right. To put together two metal pieces and to join them together. And then the, the strength of that connection is 100% dictated by the bond. Okay. If there's a weak bond, the connection is weak. If there's a strong bond, the the connection is much stronger. Um, and I believe we have connections every day of our lives because we interact. All right. So um, when I drive through and order a fried chicken sandwich and there's been a hello at the order taking and then there's a goodbye at the pickup window and you know, you say thank you. And the person who's giving you the product says, my pleasure. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's, 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 it's good business, but it also pays attention that there is an, a human interaction. You could say there's a relationship there on some level, but it is an interaction and it is a connection. Um, I see a dentist a few times a year, um, been to him for 15, 20 years. And <clears throat> So the entire time I'm laying there and he's pouring water in my mouth and he's kind of, you know, digging and cleaning my teeth, he is laughing and cutting up and telling me stories because his father is a psychiatrist and he knows I'm a psychotherapist. He knows I'm a counselor. And so he's not just my dentist. He's, he's a connection person and I like the service, but more so it's the how. It's not just the what. How he does his work is meaningful to me. Um, another example, uh, my primary care doc, uh, Frank Leva, Dr. Frank Leva. He's in our system. Hey, Frank, love you. <laughs> <laughs> Every year for my annual, after um, he finishes his exam and all that goes with that, and I, I sit up, he puts his hand on my shoulder. And he says, Bob, I love you. <laughs> in his accent, Bob, I love you. Um, now, I'm not suggesting that we as providers need to say I love you to everyone. But I think that um, there's, there's an opportunity for a human connection at, uh, at a transactional level, but more importantly, on, in those relationships that exist. So, so the bonding agent, let's go back to that, right? Um, what is the bonding agent between humans? It's not glue. It's communication. Mm. Yeah. 
Now, the experts say you can break down communication, right? Um, there is verbal and then there's nonverbal, right? One is a whole lot bigger than the other. So most people think communication is words. Like right now, I've said a thousand words so far, okay? And you've said some words, I've said some words. And people are listening to words and the words are lighting up their brains and they're thinking about stuff, right? But my guess is also, they're not only listening to words, they're listening to tone and they're listening to a connection that you and I started like really early on in our talk. Um, 7% of communication is words. 93% of the bond between two human beings is nonverbal. Right? Wow. 93%. 93% is what the experts say. And I believe it. Now I've got a master's degree in clinical social work, right? And wouldn't you know, one of my classes was how to communicate with clients, how to create a connection, right? And so I took a graduate course in this, all right? And I don't remember much from that class, honestly. <laughs> but what I do remember, it was so unbelievably just basic that everybody kind of knows. Eye contact, nodding, you're nodding your head, right? Right. Um, how you hold your body, is it closed, open, right? There are th real ways we can communicate that I'm here with you, right? And that's what you're doing. You're, I go, wow, she's here with me. You know, you're not looking at your phone, right? Um, I can tell you're like dialed in with me. Locked in. Locked in, <laughs> right? From your nonverbals. But of that 93%, I actually believe those are minute. Those are small. It's my bias that most of the nonverbals come from something much deeper. And it is those three questions. Do I matter to you? The drive through the chicken sandwich, if that order get, gets messed up, then I don't feel like I matter to them mm -hmm. on some level. So my bias is that um, the nonverbal, most of what makes up nonverbal is not eye contact, nodding head. That's part of it. But most of it goes much deeper. And it goes back to those three questions. Right? Do I matter? Do you hear me? Do you see me? Right? And... That occurs on the transactional levels when a product is given back and forth because if something gets messed up, then I'm going to feel I don't matter. And as a customer, I'm going to vote with my feet. Um, so that question is there on transactional. But as you go up the pyramid of relationships where at the bottom are transactional, but at the very top of the period, at the very tippy top is your person, your partner, your relationship. And that's where the question, do I matter to you, really has the most uh, profound effect on the relationship. So Bob, I am curious, based on everything that you've said and all of your experiences, your knowledge in 
relationships. What, what are some of the trends that you see in connection in personal relationships in intimate relationships? That's a good question. So uh, when you use the word trend, it's actually, uh, I'm going to have to translate and just think of patterns that I've seen right. in relationships. Right. And and please note, um, this all comes from uh, giants in my field. And th- there are two. Uh, one is John Gottman. Um, he's a giant, um, and I stand on his shoulders. Uh, but the other one is Sue Johnson. Uh, and I point listeners to her work. Um and her books, uh, her first one, Hold Me Tight, um, I'm rereading it now. Uh, it is amazing. Um, but in this book, she says, connection is a primal need and um, it is for survival and is hardwired in evolution and in our, in our survival process. Um, and as infants, as babies, if we didn't feel safe and secure that absolutely can create an arc and it could be an arc of feeling secure in relationships or as an adult having patterns and behaviors that are a bit anxious in relationships and a lot of that comes from uh the level of feeling safe and secure early on this is sue johnson's work um so those three questions, do I matter to you? Do you see me? Do you hear me? Those three questions come from these ideas. And um, so the work that I do is trying to l- listen with that third ear. <laughs> um, so I'm listening to words, which is content. Okay, And if you ask really experienced counselors they've been doing this a long time they will say to you content is meaningless (laughs) Um, which i don't know if i agree with that but it does put a a a kind of a, a an eye view on what's really going on so with couples i'm looking for who is the pursuer and who's the withdrawer because in that fight or flight do i matter to you do you see me do you hear me Typically, there is someone who's a clinger or protester, right? And then there's someone who is distant and a withdrawer. And we uh, have been able to kind of categorize these as there's a pursuer and then there's a withdrawer. The withdrawer is feeling attacked because the pursuer is pursuing by saying, you never talk to me. You're always on your phone. You don't bring me flowers. That old song, right? Um, it's pursuit language. So one of the first interventions that I do as a couples counselor is I try to open up the eyes of couples that I work with that they might have a communication problem, but it's more a problem of connection. And if we fix and improve connection, the communication usually can sometimes just improve on its own. And remember, connection is everything nonverbal, right? And most of it is intention. It's, you matter to me. I want to be here with you. I want to uh, hear you. I want to see you. And I want you to know that you matter to me. 
And if I can answer those questions, whether it's the barista or whether it's my wife, if I can try to answer those and and uh, uh, those connection issues, uh, then that's going to hopefully help us be together. I love the way that you put that as far as um, what that looks like at the personal level, those intimate, close relationships. Mm -hmm. So I can imagine our listeners, as they're taking in all that you're saying, are then wanting to know maybe maybe some tips and strategies that you might recommend um, just for personal relationships and how to improve those. Mm -hmm. Um, So you said personal. There's a day coming up (laughs) that celebrates adult love. And so we're really, I think, talking about the bullseye of adult relationships. And it's all about attachment and connection. And so a way to improve your connection in your personal life is to increase the closeness and the emotional bond with your partner and to engage in what I call connection behaviors, right? Some time ago, I uh, was able to think about a grid that mapped out some connection behaviors, and I call them the four pillars of connection. They are dating, talking, touch, and conflict. And so I teach couples that I'd like for you to have an experience with a frequency that makes sense to you. I recommend once a week. And notice I said experience. It's a date, right? But most people, when I say date, they think dinner, right? And I want to expand the definition of date. A date between a husband and a wife is, an, is a, a positive experience that should focus on more on fun, right? And in that fun, positive space, they're more in the present, and then they can grow more together, right? The connection increases. Once a week, you, you have a fun time once a week with your person. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and, and that actually is part of the glue, right? Dating. Talking every day. One of my teachers said, if a couple can talk for 15 minutes a day, not about work, not about problems, not about parenting, not about the house, the chores, it could be anything, but not those. For just 15 minutes, you're 95% ahead of all other couples. Because what do we do? Housework. What's for dinner? How's Johnny? What about the bills? And we get into rote conversations, and that's what we all do, because you're with the same person every day for years, and you lose track, and you lose each other, and then distance is created. So talk 15 minutes a day. A great resource is conversationstartersworld.com. But there are lots of... uh, word games that are out there. The Gottman Institute, go to their website. There's a ton of resources there on increasing connection through talking, right? So you have dating, you have talking. And the third one is touch. Roommates don't touch, right? Married people who are in a committed relationship, they touch. 
supposedly, right? So you want to increase. There's two kinds of touch. There's one touch that is not really intimate. It's casual touch. I call it non-sexual, but I want to take the word sex out of there. So it's more casual, right? Hand-holding, sitting next to each other, a hug, kiss on the cheek, massage, touch, right? Increase touch. The other kind of touch is more intimate. I mean, that's a whole other podcast, right? But that's important. Touch is vital. Human-to-human, skin-to-skin contact releases certain kinds of chemicals that are very pleasing. One is oxytocin. Oxytocin is kind of like Prozac. Um, it, it's a soothing chemical. We feel everything's okay. Um, people feel okay when there's a hug, right? And there's a reason for that. Um, and the last area is conflict, doing conflict well. Whole separate podcast on doing conflict well. But I believe if you have a weekly experience that, pos- that is positive, um, you talk every day, you touch every day, and you do conflict well, chances are really good the, the, the quality of your connection will be greatly improved. And if your connection improves, your communication improves. You simplify that so beautifully where I think all of us, our listeners, can walk away today with some practical, simple steps that they can start implementing. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And Bob, you know, as we're wrapping this up, thank you so much for sharing all of your experience and your wisdom with us. It has truly been an honor and a pleasure to hear from you today. Thank you, Kelly. This has been fun. Well, everyone, thank you for listening to the Orlando Health Wellbeing Podcast. And we hope that you've been inspired by our conversation today and that you can carry that inspiration to others around you. So until next time, we wish you well.